All right, you may grab a seat. Good morning, church. It is good to see everybody this morning. I want to take a quick moment, and before I get started, I just want to say thank you uh, to the group that went to Southern West Virginia uh, this week. I see Kevin Burden here and Vance Payne and, and Cody Truesdale is up there somewhere. But if you see any of those guys, Rick Marstiller, uh, Jonathan Cook as well, and I think I'm Steve Truesdale. If you see any of those guys, tell them a big thank you for their service this week because that was awesome that they got to go down there and serve somebody who'd been affected by the floods, and they did a fantastic job. I know that God was at work uh, through them, so thank you guys so much for that. Well, my name is, uh, is Patrick. I'm one of the elders here, uh, and um, if, you've, if you're just joining us, we've been in the midst of an excellent series called The Story of the Chronicle of Redemption. We're going to take a quick break from that series today, but, but Jeremy's been teaching through the Old Testament leading up to a powerful Easter message last week on Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And I wanted to show you this timeline because I think it helps to see God's story uh, laid out like this. And what we see is that this book, all these stories that we see within the Bible, it's, it's all one big plan from beginning to end. God has this under control. This is God's plan of redemption for us. From, from creation to Adam and Eve to Noah to Abraham and Isaac, Moses, Hosea, which would be taught right up there at that, where the exile to Assyria is at the top there. 400 years of silence and then Jesus' death on the cross. That the whole book is, is pointing us in that direction. And when Jeremy returns next week, he's going to be uh, teaching us on the beginning of the early church in Acts, and then we'll be in Revelation as well. And you won't want to miss those messages as we continue to discuss God's story, his chronicle of redemption for us. What I hope that you've been able to take away so far is that this book, this book right here is God's story of redemption. That through his word, God has revealed his plan through Christ to redeem us and restore us back into a right relationship with him. A relationship that was broken thousands of years ago when sin entered the world through Adam. And in seeing this, I hope that we are recognizing the importance of this book, the Bible. You see, before I preach on the passage that I'm preaching on today, I think it's vital that we understand some characteristics of this book that we study. The Bible has certain characteristics that will help us in our growth if we understand them. First, there's clarity. The Bible is written in a way that we as believers can understand it. We can read it and come to faith and understanding. Next is sufficiency. The Bible is sufficient for us. We have no need for any special revelation or any other book in addition to the Bible. All that God has revealed to us about himself, about faith, about Christian living, raising children, how to be a good husband or wife, it can be found in here. And finally, the authority of the Bible means that all of the words in Scripture are God's words. That Scripture is without error, and to disbelieve or disobey any words of Scripture is to disbelieve God. Not believing what is written here is like saying to God, I don't trust you. Although written by multiple human authors, 2 Peter 1 verse 21 tells us that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. 
Understanding authority is so important because if we don't believe that the Bible has authority, that these are the very words of God, intend us to train us in righteousness, then why are we here? We listen to and believe those that have authority over us, right? Parents, employers, police, at least most of us do. God is our ultimate authority. And this is his instruction manual written for us. Well, if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to the book of James. Because that's where we'll be today. And i got to tell you, as I prepared this message, there was a, a definite conviction that came over me. And this conviction, it's my personal conviction. It's not for everybody. But I will tell you that I, what I recognize is that I was not bringing a copy of God's Word with me other than the one that was on my phone. And I don't condemn anyone that's here on their phone looking at the Scriptures because the same powerful words that are in here are in there. But there is something to be said about having the entirety of God's Word in your hand. And I felt that me, you know, as a leader in this church, you know, I need to be setting the example there. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, I want to let you know that we do have copies of the Word out on the sides, and you can grab one of those. You can even take one of those home as our gift to you. I mean, it's got paper edges, and, and uh, they're a little bit frayed in some areas. It's not quite this this fancy leather, and actually this is fake leather, so it's not, not real leather. But again, like I said, the same power that is in here uh, is in there. So I'd encourage you to take one of those if you don't have one. But back to James. James is sometimes called the Proverbs of the New Testament. As there are many instructions within it about practical Christian living. James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he was writing this letter to Jewish Christians that were scattered throughout the region. And the theme of the book is living out our faith and spiritual maturity. And I wanted to preach on this particular passage in James because I enjoy the simplicity of it. I love that within the Bible we have these instructions that are easy to understand. I'm a simple guy, and I like simple instructions. And the book of James is full of them. And I like that James, he does not beat around the bush. Before we dive into James, though, I do feel like I need to give a small disclaimer slash reminder. We are a gospel-centered church here at Harvest Point, and we believe that salvation comes by faith alone, in Christ alone, through grace alone. The overwhelming testimony of Scripture, especially the New Testament, bears that out, proves it to be true. So whatever we make of James, we do so in context of the other Scriptures that speak more clearly of God's grace. James, on the other hand, speaks a lot in his letter about doing. There are many action items for the Christian here. We recognize, and James recognized, that we are not saved by works. But as Christians, our lives should look different. They should reflect with gratitude the reality of this marvelous gift that we have been given. Jeremy presented to us that not that long ago the gospel is God, man, Christ response. And it's the idea that we are accountable to a God who is holy. Our problem is that we have sinned against that holy God. God's solution is salvation through Jesus Christ. And we come to be included in that salvation by how we respond in faith and repentance. And today's message is focused on our response not just our initial response of repentance and belief, but our continued response of faith and practice. So let's start reading with me in verse 19 of chapter 1. And there it says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that as we, as we hear this message, that it wouldn't just be something that goes one, in one ear and out the other, that we would actually hear your word and you would put a desire in our hearts, Lord, to do what it says. So God, be with us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the theme of these verses in James is stated in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In other words, don't just sit here and hear God's word. Do what it says. Simple, right? So how does God through James say that we accomplish that? Well, I saw three things. First, we must be teachable. You can ask my kids, but I harp on this concept with them on a regular basis. Nobody likes dealing with an unteachable individual. They don't need to listen because they already know it all. Verse 19 is one that most of us are probably familiar with. It often comes home with our kids or our youth and gets posted on the refrigerator. And it says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And as we emphasize this to our children, it's often our desire to apply it to ourselves as parents and say, hey, look, the Bible says you need to listen, not talk so much, and relax already. Or we use this passage to focus on anger or to teach patience, and all that is true. But I believe that it can all be best summarized in that we need to be teachable. Prior to these verses, James had been teaching some difficult things on how we ought to respond to trials in our life. That we need to remain steadfast and realize that God is not tempting us through these difficult circumstances, but often testing our faith. How will you respond? Are you teachable? Are you quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry? Or is your first response to get angry and blame God or others for your circumstances? Verse 20 says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God says, hey you, you need to listen, not talk so much, and relax already. Be teachable. Next, we must be humble. It almost goes without saying, but it, it takes humility to be teachable. If we already know it all, what, is, what does God have to teach us? Verse 21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. God is telling us here to receive with meekness his word. Humbly submit to my ways. As a Christian, I have implanted my word within you. I have revealed to you the scriptures through the work of the Holy Spirit. Humbly receive it, he says. There are consequences to sin, and my word can save you from those consequences if you are willing to and humble enough to listen and obey. Lastly, we must actually be doers of the word. James continues in verse 22, and he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, I love the simplicity of this text. Don't just hear the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. 
In our small group a few weeks back, we watched a video by Francis Chan talking about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And within that video, he gave this excellent example of how we tend to miss this idea that that Jesus, he actually tells us to follow him. Essentially, Jesus tells us, don't just hear my words, do what I say. Francis Chan then gave this analogy that I thought perfectly demonstrated this. He said, that if I tell my daughter to go clean her room, she gets that. There's an understanding there. She's not going to come back to me a couple hours later and say, hey, Dad, I memorized what you told me. You said, go clean your room. What am I going to say? Oh, good job. That's exactly what I wanted. No. Or she came back an hour later and said, Dan, I can say, go clean your room in Greek. Well, that's not going to fly. And she's not going to say, hey, Dad, my friends and I are going to all get together. And every week we're going to figure out what it would look like if I clean my room. No, none of that's going to fly. Just go clean your room. So why do we feel like this kind of thinking is going to work with God? For 20 plus years of my life, I was a hearer of the word only. I sat in church every Sunday and heard the Bible, but I had no desire to do what, it, what God said. It all seemed very distant to me, like stories from long ago that had no application to my life. But I was not teachable. I was not humble I was a hearer only, and in that, I had deceived myself. I felt like my church attendance and my mother's faith, my mother's faith, (laughs) and the fact that I was a so-called good person was good enough. But that's not what God's Word tells us. And I would leave church on Sunday and fall back into the same sins on Monday and be completely ungrieved by them. God tells us in verse 23 and 24, For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Do you see the analogy here? This man, he looks intently at this mirror. So he goes to church on Sunday and he plays the part and acts the role, maybe even gets into the worship, shakes a few hands and hears some amazing preaching. It says that after he looks intently into that mirror, he immediately forgets what he looks like. Can you imagine looking into the mirror and seeing, seeing dirt on your face and doing nothing to fix it? So this man, he walks away on Sunday and he is unstirred to change. He sees the dirt in his life, but he forgets. He falls back in habitual sin and doesn't care. He's not a doer of the word. He has deceived himself. And church, I don't want any of you to be deceived. So how do we do this? How can we avoid being a hearer of the word only? Well, God tells us in verse 25, he says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He tells us right here how this happens. What does he say about his word here? He says it's perfect. He says there's freedom found in obedience. Of course there is. Again, these are the very words of God. God is our ultimate authority. The one who looks intently into God's word, studies it, allows it to transform them and acts on it. That individual is not a hearer only. You see, something happens when we read this book. When we look intently into the scripture, it transforms us. God transforms us. The desires of our heart change. We grow and mature spiritually. Most importantly, our relationship with Jesus, our love for him deepens. 
our faith is strengthened and our gratitude for what he has done on our behalf becomes hard to hide. We can't help but be a doer of the word. Just as important that we look intently into God's word, though, is that we persevere in doing it. As I studied this verse, the original Greek word used here would have been more in line with the word abide, which means to remain in or to continue with. And this, this is basically a lifelong practice of persevering or abiding, meaning we remain in this practice of being doers of the word. This concept was not a new concept that James was speaking of. Somewhere, uh, being the half-brother of Jesus, I imagine he had heard this idea somewhere before. And if we turn to the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus says something similar in chapter 15, verses 4 through 11, where Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying here, abide in me. In other words, remain in me, continue with me, persevere, follow me, continue to look intently into my words. By this, he says, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Do you see a familiar message here from Jesus? He's saying, hear my words, do what it says, bear much fruit. Jesus also speaks here of the blessing that James is talking about at the end of verse 25 when he says, he will be blessed in his doing. Jesus says that he has told us these things so that his joy would be in us and our joy would be full. The product of our faithfulness is loving obedience, but joy is its result. There's joy found in these words. There's joy found in bearing much fruit. There's joy found in the freedom that comes from an obedient life. Jesus tells us that God is glorified in that. That's our purpose, that we bring glory to God as we make much of His Son, Jesus Christ, as we do what His Word tells us. So where do you start? You start by looking intently into God's perfect Word. You pick up a Bible and you look at God's words. You study them. You allow them to penetrate your heart and transform your mind. If you're new to the faith, you may be wondering, well, what does that mean? I mean, do I just blindly scroll through the Bible in the morning? Whatever my finger lands on, that's what I'm going to do today? No, I wouldn't recommend that. Let's, let's, uh, let's give it a try here. I'll flip through. Okay. Leviticus 13, verses 40 and 41. If a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald. He is clean. And if a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead, he is clean. Okay, well, um, that's good to know. 
Uh, I'm not sure how that helps me. I'm, I'm not sure how that helps you either. Uh, apparently, I'm well on my way to being clean. Um, some of you are, are cleaner than others. But uh, you see how that could be confusing, right? But if you're new to the faith or not very familiar with the Bible, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are a good place to start. Four accounts of the life of Jesus. All of the Bible points to Jesus, and within the Gospels, you will learn about the person and work of Jesus Christ. There you will have the opportunity to see the words of Jesus, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, died the death that we deserved, and rose from the dead, giving us new life in him. Remember, the Bible was written so that you can understand it. It is sufficient for us, and it claims authority as the very words of God. Trust him. I want to utilize the next few moments for us to look intently into God's word. Let's use this time to focus on these scriptures. As I read a passage, I'm going to leave it up on the screen for a bit before moving on to the next one. I actually want us to look intently at the word of God for a moment. There's going to be silence. It's going to be awkward. But that's okay. There's no words that I can say. The Bible tells us God's word is not going to go out void, but my words can. So I want us to to focus on God's word. Reread these scriptures as I have them up there. Look at it. What is God telling you in this time? We'll start with verse that Jeremy presented to us last week, which is Mark 1, verses 14 through 15. And it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Luke 9, verses 23 and 24. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it.
Matthew 11, verse 28 and 30 says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 11, verses 25 through 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this?
Church, there's more where that came from. My prayer for us this morning is that as God has spoken to us today by the words of James and through these other passages of Scripture, that we would not be hearers of the word only, but that we would do what it says, that we would repent and believe. Trust me, there are more action items within the Scriptures, more ways to bear fruit, but let's start with the basics. Repent and believe. Then let's actually follow Jesus. Let's serve. Let's give. Let's love. Worship team, if you'll come. And as we enter into this, this time of worship, I want you to think about the words as we, as we sing them. We're going to be singing, Jesus paid it all. It says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. What is it that we owe him? What is it that we owe Jesus for what he's done on our behalf? Sin had left a crimson stain on our lives, and he washed it white as snow. Let's not just praise the one who paid our debt here. Let's praise him with our actions. Let's praise him with our lives. Let us not leave here today and forget what he has done and what he has said in his word. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we cannot thank you enough for your word. You are a, a holy God. We are unworthy to even be given the attention that you've given us, Lord God. But yet you do that anyways. You've given us, again, this miraculous gift of your word. You've given us the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, when we think about what you've done on our behalf, there should be a response. Lord, help us in that. Help us to respond with our lives. Help us to not leave here today and forget what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray.